Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into Jira tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. You've heard it said in sports many, many, many times before. A season is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And the 162-game regular season in baseball is the greatest example. If you don't believe me, just ask your New York Mets and their fans. Plus, U.S. athletes protest at the recent Pan Am Games in Peru. We'll talk about all of it, so like I said, make sure you listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, folks. Well, listen. If, if you're, you don't have to be a baseball fan to know this, but if you are one, then you for sure you know it. The Mets have captured the hearts of the city over the past three weeks. The Amazons are truly living up to that moniker because they have been amazing. Uh, for a good part of the season, they were unamazing. In fact, so much so that back on July 12th, the Mets were so unamazing that their record was 40 and 51. They were in fourth place, 14 and a half games out of first place. How about that? All right, how about that? One month later, here we are, August 12th. They are 61 and 57. From 11 games under 500 to four games over 500, they're now in third place. Only eight games out of first place, and I might add, only seven in the loss column. And just one game, and that's what everybody's really got excited about, and just one game behind in the wild card race. Because, listen, at 14 and a half out, I mean, even, you know, to think about that, it would have been 
a miracle. But that's why I mentioned, you know, in the opening about baseball as a marathon, and that's what separates its season and the sport from all the other sports. It really, really does. Because I don't know of any sport that allows you, really allows you, maybe allowing is not the word, because it just seems it happens to everybody, to go through the peaks and valleys and the slumps that you see happen in a baseball season that you don't see happening in other sports. You know, you you see injuries. Like, you know, if, if a great basketball player gets injured, you know, and the team is tr- treading water till the star player comes back, that's one thing. You can say that in hockey. Uh, you, football's a different sport because football's a 16-game schedule and it's week to week. But baseball is 162 games, and it just seems there are always, always slumps, always the peaks and the valleys. And my goodness, I mean, this Met season had turned into disaster was the word. Disaster was the word. It was an embarrassment. You, you had Brody Van Wagenen coming in as a GM and he made his off-season deals, and with the exception of really J.D. Davis, his off-season deals have sucked. I mean, the Edwin uh, Diaz and, and Robbie Cano deal acquiring them you know, from Seattle thus far has absolutely been awful, god-awful. He signed Jerris Familia, Awful, albeit Familia had himself a terrific outing this past weekend um, uh, on Sunday, uh, coming in in the eighth inning and striking out the side. So that was terrific. And believe me, they could use Jerris Familia down a stretch. Uh, you know, uh, Jed Lowry, they haven't seen him yet. So the deals that he did in the offseason have sucked. But. When you talk about what have you done for me lately, as I said, the Mets are four games over 500. They are eight. Well, as of today, the reason I say as of today, because I take my podcast on Mondays, and by the time uh, you hear this, the Mets will have already, they're going into Atlanta for a three-game series. They will have already played one game. But going into that series, they are eight games out of first place, seven in the loss column. Think about this. (laughs) Just throwing it out there. Think about what could happen if the Mets went into Atlanta and took three games. I I I don't expect it to happen. And as I just said to you, one game will have already been played. But think about it. I mean, here we we talk about they're only one game out in a wild card race. If they could come up with a sweep, think about that. They'd be five out of first place and four in a loss column. 
You know what this all means, folks? It all means when your players perform. It's not rocket science. When your players perform the way they're supposed to perform, when they perform up to expectations and perform well, you do well. And your manager and your organization, they all look smart. And when you perform poorly, everybody looks like morons, and someone's going to lose their job. You, you heard a time several times before. Managers and coaches are hired to be fired. Never a truer word was spoken. I mean, think about where Mickey Calloway was a month or so ago. Think about that. He got into a beef with the writer from Newsday. Okay? You know, if I recall correctly, get this mother bleeper out of my locker room. You know, Jason Vargas, who has since been um, traded, went after the reporter. That's what losing does. It makes you tense. It makes you edgy. It makes everybody, you know, grind in their teeth. It makes you paranoid. I mean, it was a point when when they got swept earlier in the season by the uh, Miami Dolphins. I mean, everybody, Callaway, they had him out. What has Mickey Callaway done differently with them being four games up over 500 as opposed to when they were 11 games below 500? What has he done differently? Nothing. He has sat back and watched his players perform. That's what he has done differently. You know, I was thinking about it because uh, in in their past weekend series with the Washington Nationals, the Nationals manager Dave Martinez had been criticized over oh, the way he handles was handling his bullpen. You know, there was that four game. You know, when the when the Mets had that great four run comeback in the bottom of the ninth, Frazier with the three run bomb, and then uh, Conforto with the game winning hit. They're tearing off his shirt. You know why was the reliever left in? Well, you know why the reliever was left in? Because his bullpen, the Nationals' bullpen, sucks. It's terrible. And that's what was killing Mickey Calloway and the Mets. All those blown saves. Really? That's that's what the problem was. As much as guys, you know, Robbie Cano, uh, okay, at the time where he tore his hamstring, uh, he happened to be playing better, but Robbie Cano was miserable, you know, was awful for three months. But even with all that, that's what was not killing the Mets. What was killing the Mets was the bullpen. It just was. 
It was absolutely killing the Mets. And, you know, I wouldn't say the Mets are totally out of the woods yet with their bullpen. There are still problems. Case in point, Edwin Diaz. If the Mets are going to be right going the rest of the way, they're going to need Diaz. But that's what happens in baseball. It's unlike any other sport because just teams go through their slumps. And then they get hot, and they get hot, and they stay hot. And, And right now... The Mets are cooking with ridiculous gas. And, you know, it's the old adage, you know, losing build comp, losing builds confidence. What I say? Losing winning builds confidence. Losing puts you in the opposite direction that you could see it with the Mets. You can see it with the Mets. They come back time and time again. They jump on you early. If they, if they get a lead, if they don't get a lead, they come back at you. And they have a pitching staff, a starting pitching staff, which, you know, quite frankly, you want to talk about guys. Five guys, you could say second to none for five guys. DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler. They pick up Strowman and Mats. That's a pretty awesome five-man rotation. But they got hot. They put themselves just when the season was completely look completely lost and dead, and everybody's saying to themselves, "Holy shit, we're not going to be playing any meaningful baseball." Now, all of a sudden, you're getting tons of meaningful baseball. What do we got? A month and a half, so seven weeks, whatever the hell it is left in the regular season? I mean, think about it. Where we were a month ago. It, it it really is is unbelievable. It's amazing, and and I don't know what it is with these Mets. When you look back at their history, it is amazing. They were the miracle Mets, right? In '69, they came out of no place. In in '73, and here they are. You know, the old Tug McGraw, you got to believe it's true. But it's because baseball is such a marathon, it allows you to go through your slumps. And everybody does it. And your best ball players go through their slumps. You're not just for a game or two. It could be weeks at a time. I mean, the truly great ones, you know, tend not to have those elongated slumps, but it happens. I remember, I forget the year. Remember, you know, Derek Jeter? 
Derek Jeter, you know, had a one time a miserable slump. But because baseball is such a marathon, it allows you to go through that. It allows you to go through that and it allows you to regroup. And you know what's amazing? You know, think about this and no disrespect to the Yankees and their fans because the Yankees, I mean, they have not been anything short of phenomenal. Because they have one of the best records in baseball. As of today, as I'm speaking to you, they're 77 and 41. They are 36 games over 500. The Mets are four games over 500. And the Mets are the talk of the town. And in fairness to the Yankees, in fairness to the Yankees, listen. I mean, you're talking about Gino Urshela. You're talking about Talkman. I mean, you're talking about a team that has been, you know, ravaged by injuries. And not only have they not missed a beat, you know, last I looked, they had an eight and a half game lead. You know? But that's, that's when, when you come out of no place, as the Mets have done, when you come back from the dead. This is what baseball, this is what makes baseball that great American pastime. Now, maybe baseball's not your favorite sport. Maybe it's football, basketball, or hockey, and you're all entitled. But just as I'm thinking, you know, as I'm, I've been watching what's gone on the past few weeks with the Mets, it's what baseball does. It, it's just, it, it, it captures your imagination, and, and, and it's just, it's like wild. I mean, folks, I've been in this business a long time, 35 plus years, okay? 36 years, whatever the hell it is. But I've been in this business a long time. And there's just something about these pennant races when they get going. My goodness, It's just what baseball, it's what that long season does. And that's why, you know, a guy like myself, I've always prided myself on this. I really try not to get too high and not to get too low when you're covering teams. All teams. In all sports. Because... I'm sorry, it's not like life and death. And don't get me wrong, it's my business. It's afforded me a nice life. You know, I love sports. But it's baseball or it's basketball or it's football or hockey, whatever it is. There there, there are slumps. And... You can't get, you know that saying, you can't get too high and you can't get too low. And never a truer word also was spoken when it comes to a baseball player. Because if you can't deal with slumps, you will not succeed in the world of baseball. And and again, the Mets... The current Mets, I don't know what's going to happen. You, you know, I'm, I'm not sure Mets are getting into the postseason. 
Well, I'm not sure of that at all. There's no reason to think we're sure about that. But there's reason to believe. But you have to go through. The Mets, Mets are the example of going through slumps, ups and downs. Now, I will also say this. As fine as the Mets have been performing, one important factor that must still be corrected is the bullpen. Now, now Seth Lugo has been marvelous, okay? But the guy that they got coming into the ninth inning is your closer. It's Edwin Diaz. Now, for example, Sunday's game, this past Sunday, it was a 5-4 ball game. Edwin Diaz comes in for the ninth inning. Okay, so let's say the Mets were going to go into the bottom of the ninth down a run. Okay, you try and scratch for a run. Edwin Diaz serves up a two-run bomb. This has to be fixed. I don't. I don't want to like uh, spoil the, the euphoria with Met fans, but this still needs to be fixed. It still needs to be rectified. You can't be going to a guy who's not pitching like he is the guy. And I think a really a real important decision needs to be made. How much longer are we going to stick with Edwin Diaz? Is he going to be the closer, or do we put in Seth Lugo and make him the closer? That's what I need to find out. That's what you need to find out. But more importantly, that's what the Mets need to find out. You know... I mentioned Brody Van Wagenen before. Look, uh, I was completely critical of him when he fired Dave Island, the pitching coach, and then he fired, and then along with Dave, the bullpen coach. I thought it was ridiculous. I mean, and and. Y- y- Phil Regan, I have been a fan of back in his day when when Phil Regan was the vulture for the Dodgers, when Sandy Colfax dubbed him the vulture. When he was coming out of the bullpen, he was 14-1, and had a one-loss record of 14-1, and and I think he had like 23 or 24 saves. Colfax called him the vulture because he came in in the right spot. And he's, you know, he's got a great reputation as a baseball man, a pitching coach. So now people are saying, well, they're not laughing at Phil Regan coming in now any longer. Well, nobody was, you know, you, you people wanted to make jokes about somebody being 80 plus years old. I, I have no problem. with I had no problem with Phil Regan being named the coach, the pitching coach. The problem that I had was that Dave Island was scapegoated. And to this day, I'll say the same thing. Brody Van Wagenen scapegoated Dave Island. 
because your your starting pitching was your starting pitching. There was nothing wrong with the starting pitching. It's been the bullpen, and the bullpen is not all and well. It's not all fine and dandy, okay? Just isn't. So let's not be stupid about it. It's been a very, very exciting time. It's it's more than exciting. It's it's been mind boggling, and so many people have jumped back on a bandwagon. It's been great. I mean, you know, Mets have been front page and back page. It's been wonderful. But now they got to stay there. No, they're not going to win out the rest of the year. You know, I'm I'm not killing them, you know, because they lost their, they could have gone for the sweep against Washington and lost the game 7-4. They weren't going to win out. We all know that. But, you know, this team has captured the fancy of the entire well, you want to say the entire city? I don't know if I'm going to go so far to say that. But when you win the way they've won, people jump on a bandwagon. And, you know, they love when an underdog comes out of the blue to go ahead and win some games and get all excited. Well, Mets and their fans have reason to be all excited. But think about it. They are 61 and 57. The Yankees are 77 and 41. And all people now are talking about is the Mets. Like, like, how did this happen? Oh my goodness. Look at this. This is for real. Here we go. You gotta believe all over again. Again. The Major League Baseball season is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yes, I've said that cliche again. It's not a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It is. And because it is, it allows what has happened to the Mets to happen. They've put themselves right back smack dab in the middle of the picture. So it's got for everybody to be excited. And with some of the shit that's gone on in this country, no matter what side you're on, reading this, you know, from politics to this creep Epstein to everything else, This is a fun story that you like to hang on to and grab hold of. So I suggest to all of you grab hold of it because I really think it's going to be a fun ride. I mean, you can actually daydream New York baseball fans about a Subway series. You can actually daydream about that. And I'm going to say something else. 
if the Mets get into the postseason, see, that's a big if still. It's not an if for the Yankees. The Yankees are in the postseason. They will be in the postseason. They'd have to have a monumental collapse not to win the division. But even if that happened, they'd be in a postseason. It's a wild card, but they're going to be in. But if both the Mets and the Yankees, think about this for a second, with this marathon of a season, if both the Mets and the Yankees got into the postseason, the Mets might have a better chance of advancing than the Yankees. Why? Take a look at the pitching staff, the starting pitching staff. That's why. We've said all season long, folks, you've heard it here several times. You've heard me here say it on radio. Pitching, pitching, starting pitching. It is always the Achilles heel for the Yankees. It's been that the whole season. And I'm not convinced that they have the staff to compete in the postseason. Really. You know, especially going up against a staff like uh, the Houston Astros. Because to me, Houston is still the team to beat. You know, that, that, that trio that they have is sensational. Verlander, Garrett, and, uh, um, you know, they just got Granky. But the Mets have five starters. Five. That pitching staff is pretty, you know, again, the Mets got to get in. But if the Mets get in, they become a very, very, very serious group. Very, very serious. Extremely dangerous, beyond formidable. So call them the Amazons. Let the cry be, you got to believe. Any which way you look at it, it's going to be a fun ride from here on in. So Met fans and baseball fans, fasten your seatbelts. Because the stretch run of this marathon... (laughs) is going to really get interesting. All right. I want to talk about one other thing. And when I saw this, really pissed me off. Some two U.S. athletes at the uh, recent Pan, Pan Am Games in Peru, Lima, Peru, a fencer by the name of Race Imboden and a hammer thrower, Gwen Berry, uh, there's possible repercussions from the U.S. Olympic and uh, Paralympic Committee because they had protests over the weekend during their medal ceremonies at the Pan Am Games. Now, this Imboden is he, a, a two-time Olympian, all right? He took a knee on the medal stand as the fencing team won their gold Friday. 
Barry apparently raised a fist during the Star Spangled Banner after winning her event on Saturday. Now, here's what I have to say on this. I defended football players for their right to protest. I didn't defend necessarily their protest. defended the right to protest. Because I didn't approve of the protest. I wouldn't have done it that way. If I was going to voice my opinion, I would have done it in a different way. And when people say, well, Ross, they work for somebody. Yes, I get that. But they work in a place that's different than most people work in. They work in a public forum. But that's not what I'm talking about here. Now I'm talking about a fencer and a hammer thrower competing for the U.S. teams. You're supported by the U.S. teams. You're supported by U.S. taxpayer money, U.S. government. That's a different story. If you want to protest, you pick a different forum to do it on. If you want to protest... Then don't, then show some balls. Don't take the money from the U.S. government. Don't take the money from the U.S. team. That's a different story than a football player's. You know, on Twitter, this race and Bowden, the fencer, posted that he, he sacrificed, uh, his moment on the podium to bring attention to issues in the U.S. with racism, gun control, and immigration under a president who spreads hate. Now, you know what, Mr. Imboden? If you wanted to say that afterwards, that becomes your prerogative. But if you're going to be a tough guy, then show how tough you are. Don't take the money. Don't take the support of the U.S. team. That's That, to me, then you're saying something. You will, what, what are you sacrificing? You don't want to compete for the U.S. team? Then say, I don't want to compete for the U.S. team based on this, that, I don't like this president, or I don't like this, or blah, 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 blah. Say that. But no, go ahead and perform for the United States and then take a knee or raise a fist. Come on, give me a break. That, to me, just reeks of hypocrisy. It's a bunch of bullshit. You want you got to have a, you want a right to protest? You know, th- th- there's having a right to pro- protest and then there's doing it with some common sense. 
not this. This is no common sense, and quite frankly, I think it's disgraceful. It's the height of hypocrisy. You are performing for, quote, unquote, the United States. They're supporting you. You're traveling to Lima, Peru on their dime. Stop the bullshit. Really? Just cut it out. You can take their support, but you can't support them. As I said, bullshit. And that, folks, is a wrap here. I want to thank all of you once again for getting a load of this. Now I'd like to get a load of you. So let me know your thoughts on this podcast. You can always contact me on Twitter at Russ Salzberg. You can contact me on Facebook. You can also go check out my website, russsalzberg.com. My thanks uh, today to uh, my buddy Matt Meany sitting in for Crash who always takes good care of me here at the controls, to my OG podcast network producer, Tim Einickel, to Dave Labrosi, the 77 WABC program director, to his outstanding assistant program director, Matt Dahl, and of course, last but certainly not least, you people out there, because without you people out there, I'd have nobody in here to be talking to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to all of you, Bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Have yourselves a great week. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with privacy mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course, present my thoughts the way I want. Right again! Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh, there it is. Drawing board or... Miro. Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's one. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy. The way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick.